The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Good morning, Mahai, and welcome to Sharing Our Stories. My name is Slim, along with my co-host, Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes. And this program, as you know, is about addiction and recovery. Um, But this morning, we have a very special guest. So before we, me and Tomas, you know, talk about addiction and recovery, we have one of the Denver mayoral candidates here. So we want to welcome state, state representative of District 8, Leslie Herod here. And uh, thank her for coming in because Election Day is right around the corner. It is this week and uh, you need to get out and vote, Mahai. So far, the turnout is really low with the uh, the early voting. So you need to get out to the poll and vote. But let's welcome Leslie. Leslie, good morning. How good you doing? morning. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure. So glad that you took some time. I'm, I'm flattered that you took some time. <laughs> To come on out and speak with us. Because for one, I think it's very important to, to talk to our listeners. Um, we have listeners from all over the Mile High and, of course, from Denver. Mm-hmm. So um, they want to be spoken to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they don't want to be ignored. They want to be heard and they want to they want to hear from you and, and why you're running for mayor. So thanks for taking some time to come in and speak with us and appreciate that. Appreciate that. We only have a little bit of time um, this morning. So uh, let's get right to it. Tell us about yourself. You know, you're from Denver, right? I'm not from Denver. What? Yeah, what? I know. Isn't that crazy? Listen, I would love to say that I am, but I'm not. My mom was in the Army, so I was actually born in Germany. Oh, wow. On U.S. soil, though, so we're good there. <laughs> um, and uh, and I made my way to Denver from Colorado Springs, where she retired, and okay. went to Boulder for college. Okay. And then, after my first year of school, came down to, uh, so to Denver. So, you're a Colorado girl. It's true. I'm a Colorado gal. I've been here for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so... She, she doesn't look very old, so at least four or five years. No, much more than that. Um, but yeah, she doesn't look very old, just to say that. Um, so you live in Denver now, obviously, and so on, and you represent District 8. Can you yeah. tell everybody, for those that don't know, what District 8 is? Yeah, and I've been, I've been here for around 20 years. 20 years. So I'll she, say she it, I'll say it, old, I'll say She don't look that old, for real. Um, so uh, my area, my district is central and northeast Denver. So I live in Park Hill. Okay. I've got Five Points, Whittier, Cole, um, Uptown, all the way up to I-70. So basically from uh, Colfax to I-70. And can you give us a little bit of, of your experience and what got you into public service? Absolutely. Uh, so I started running for office when I was young, when I was in college, um, because CU Boulder was not really responsive uh, to students of color, first generation students, queer students, all of us. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty white and homogenous. And I decided that I wanted to do something about it. So I ran for office um, when I was at CU. And then I came down to Denver, started working in the Capitol, did all kinds of different jobs. Eventually, I was Governor Ritter's senior policy advisor and Obama's deputy political director. And working for Obama um, was amazing. Uh, the, the family was phenomenal, um, the entire family. And that really pushed me to think, okay, well, I know how to get things done. I also know how to win, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's time for me to run for office. So I started running. Um, I started running my for my first seat in 2015. Um, I won that vote and started serving in the General Assembly. Um, most recently, I served as the chair of the Appropriations Committee uh, and on the Joint Budget Committee, managing our $40 billion budget. 
And I went over to the budget committee because uh, my work in criminal justice reform. I have invested a lot of my time in criminal justice reform in really seeing people for who they are and not judging people by their worst day. Uh, but a lot of the efforts that we were working on cost money. Mm-hmm. And every time we tried to pass something, there would be a roadblock saying we couldn't fund it. And as much as we worked to break those barriers down and break those walls down, I knew it would be even easier for us if we actually managed the budget. And so seeing that there is $40 billion out there and mm-hmm. we're fighting over $1,500,000, it didn't make any sense to me. And so understanding the budget is where really a lot of my power came from. And so now I'm running for mayor because I know the resources are there to tackle our issues. I know the resources are there to treat people like humans uh, and care for those who need it. And I'm ready to get the work done. Now, you just said to tackle the issues. What do you think are the primary issues right now for the city of Denver? Yeah, it's too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Say it loud. Say it for real. Like, it's ridiculously expensive. I've been here since 2001, and it went from an affordable city to not affordable. At all. (laughs) Not at all. I mean, think about it. Back in 2001... um, You know, people were here. They could afford to live here. You could afford to be innovative and creative. We had a booming creative, um, you know, economy, really, where folks were coming in and, you know, maybe having to work their job and maybe, you know, one other job, you know, but that's it. That's all you had to do. Now we're stifling innovation and creativity um, because it's too expensive to live. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's really about um, making sure that those who live in Denver can stay in Denver. Those who want to come to Denver can. uh, And that our legacy families and our legacy neighborhoods neighborhoods keep that culture um, mm-hmm. and I know we can do that so at the state level we invested 700 million dollars into affordable housing last year uh, and Denver did not take its fair share of those dollars no, I don't feel all. like it's here at all at all at all and so I I run these bills and people are like that's great and then they say I didn't feel that mm-hmm. you know I didn't feel that and that's why I'm running for mayor because we can actually utilize those dollars so just recently this past week I did a press conference um, uh, kind of rolling out my affordable housing plan. And in that plan, you'll see actually that Denver owns the majority of the vacant lots in the city. We own over 80 lots. RTD and DPS own the rest of them. <laughs> wow. And we could actually build housing on that land. And so I did a press conference at this spot on Broadway and I-25 and really talked about how that could be a space for 500 units of affordable housing. Uh, it's close to a grocery store, close to light rail. And there was three tents that were on that land kind of in the back Um mostly under the bridge. And as we were doing the press conference, um, the city came over to sweep them away. And I was pretty struck by the dichotomy that we actually could build 500 units for people who need them, including those folks who are in the encampments. But instead, we are investing our resources into moving them along. And do you know where they said they were going? To the other side of the street. Mm. What are we doing? It doesn't make any sense. And so we could provide, use this land to provide affordable housing, transitional housing, um, middle income housing, because middle income, yes, that's you, a, got, that's you a, got nothing here it's either. It's a big, big deal. Yeah. Like when I think of affordable housing, that's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm middle income. So I think of middle income housing yeah. as, as being affordable. How do you make housing stay like that? Because it seems like, all right, I see developments going up left and right. There's housing being built. But it's not affordable. I know. You see those cranes and you're like, yeah, you see those cranes up there and you're like, what are they for? They're not for me, you know? Uh, And so the thing is, we need 50,000 more affordable units today in Denver. 50,000. And what you're seeing go up are luxury um, uh-huh. apartments. That is not affordable housing. No, uh, It is too expensive to build affordable housing right now, though, because the city has put up too many roadblocks to getting that done. And so what we do is say, we're going to build on our own land. That takes away the cost of the land, so you don't have to put that into the monthly cost of the housing. 
you can also build pretty quickly as well. Um, and so that's what will keep those rents down. Um, and we also will have um, properties that you can buy as well, especially for those middle income folks. And so the missing middle is really the key here. You don't have enough housing for anyone who doesn't make $200,000 or more in Denver. Two hundred thousand mm-hmm, dollars. Mm-hmm. That's absurd. <laughs> it's, like we're not paying our teachers two hundred thousand. We're no. not paying our our service providers, our mental health providers. You know anyone that much money, and so that is absurd. And that's where we're at right now, and that has to change. So if we can actually keep the demand the right size and for the right people at the right at the right cost, um, then we can bring down the cost of housing and kind of stabilize the economy. I think that's really important. I think about folks who are trying to get back on their feet. They're struggling after COVID. They're struggling after um, on their road to recovery, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we slap a bill on them, a monthly bill on them that they just can't afford. Mm -hmm. What do you do? You know, there are so many folks that are in despair and in in just upheaval because they can't afford to make ends meet in Denver. And they may be working two or three jobs. You know, that's not right. It's not okay. But we also have the funding and the ability to change it. So right now, because of COVID, um, we have millions, excuse me, billions of dollars that have come into the city and into the state and that will continue to come in. Uh, We haven't had this type of infrastructure investment dollars in a generation. We have them now and we have these dollars for probably about two to three more years. So we've got to get shovels in ground now now. and we can build for our city and we can build for our community. The communities will decide in my plan, the communities will decide what goes where. You know, what goes where, what that looks like. Are we going to create an art space? You know, are we going to have studios for our young kids to be able to create in all adjacent to housing? You know, Mm -hmm. are we going to decide that we're going to wrap around a park or urban garden? um, Sorry, in the middle of of land and then wrap around teacher housing around that. You Mm -hmm. know, all of that is on the website where you can kind of imagine what Denver could be like and look like and how we can keep the historic significance of our city while also making sure that we're not pricing people out. In the first 100 days of my administration, I want to have a conversation with those who have moved to Aurora, who have moved to Thornton, have moved to Centennial or even out of state and say, what do we need to do to get you back? Mm -hmm. And then we measure our success and the success of my administration by how many folks actually are able to come. But you also got to start worrying and not just you as yourself, but I mean, families in general are like, "Okay, I want my kids to be able to live where they grew up. Right. This is home. And it's like, I'm going to grow up and I can't afford to be in the, my city that yeah. I grew up. I have to go somewhere else or I have to go 60 miles or out of state. Yeah. And even out of state, there's not a lot of places to go other places. No. This I mean, it's happening everywhere. Exactly. Because there's no more starter homes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I live in a two bedroom, one bathroom house in Park Hill. It's quite small, but it's on the same plot of land as my neighbor who has five bedrooms and five baths. It doesn't make sense. We need to have more duplexes, triplexes, you know, first time um, homes again, starter homes where folks can live in our communities. But what I got to say is the thing that devastates me the most is the grandparents aren't able to be near their grandkids. You know, that's how much we're pushing communities out. We don't have that legacy anymore, you know, that multi-generational opportunity for folks to be like, you know, my grandma lives up the street, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and just that, that sense of community is being lost. If you're if you're a grandparent that doesn't own your property, you've been a, a lifetime renter. Yeah. If for some reason you're displaced from the place that you live and luckily you, you might have had a homeowner, you might have had a rent deal where it was yeah. affordable to you, you're not going to find that affordable price again, and you're on a fixed income. Yeah, the the highest growing um, population for displacement right now is our seniors, mm-hmm. because it's more lucrative to honestly let their lease lapse um, for the la- landowner, you know, uh, the landlord, um, and charge that, you know, 22-year-old with a great job twice as much, you know, or $500 extra a month. Um, they can do that. 
And that's been a huge problem. And so we're seeing a lot of our seniors being displaced. We're talking with Denver mayoral candidate Leslie Herod, who, um, as I, as you know, is the state representative of District 8. So would you say that your primary focus is housing? Yeah, housing for everyone. You know, I mean, that includes the unhoused, currently unhoused. You know, my opponents, this is something that I, I know that you guys have, have seen a little bit in some of the debates or conversations. Some of my opponents are even saying that they would rather put people who are in unhoused right now in jail. And we know that it costs 200 to $500 a day to incarcerate someone in Denver jail. 18000 to $81,000 a year, a year to jail somebody. Well, well, why would we do that? You know, and how long I, I, I say that like, so first of all, we can actually pay for the housing, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of putting people in incarceration and the services are, uh, that support people. But then how long do you stay? Because I don't know a lot of people who are apartment shopping from jail. No. Right. I don't know a lot of people that are transitioning out and being able to put down their first and last month's rent. And by the way, now you have a record. And so it just doesn't make any sense. But that's what's being proposed today. And I know that people are getting frustrated with the encampments or feel afraid maybe to walk around in certain areas because there are people living on the streets. But I tell you, the solution is way more compassionate than what has been discussed right now. And what like we have the the sweeping going on downtown is the uh, as, as the, we prepare for opening day of our Rockies. How would you how would you handle that differently? Doesn't that feel it just feels so wrong. And yet we want to go to the game. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to be downtown. And I think that there is. This has happened before. So we swept during the DNC. Yes. You know, um, we sweep when anytime someone big comes into town and we're like, okay, let's make sure the path is clear uh, so that we can hide, you know, people Mm -hmm. um, hide our problems and it never works. No. Um, People just come back. And so for me, how we handle it differently is the first day of my administration is when we start to build um, that housing that people need. Um, that's what we do on the first day. When, we, when we're talking about things like transitional housing, um, think of the, the village collaborative, the, 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 um, the sanctioned campsites. Those take days to build. We could build those on that, those vacant lots. And when you're thinking about the long-term housing, the permanent housing, uh, that takes a few months, about a year, if not less. We can build pretty quickly. And so day one, we get we get to work building the homes for people that need it. And so no longer will you have these encampments downtown because people are housed. What do we do for like those those people that we're trying to find them homes for, but can't really get back into working society? They might yeah. have mental 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 illness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, some of these um Challenges and struggles, especially when it comes to addiction. And I should add, my sister uh, was addicted to drugs and she mm-hmm. was in and out of incarceration for 30 years. Um, just that same cycle cycle of poverty. You know what it's like. Yeah, you, drugs, you know addiction, incarceration. And so, um, you know, I think of her and I think of my family and I, I think, you know, she just needed a job. She just needed someone who would hire her so that she could take care of her family. That's the only thing that she wanted. Um, And I'm grateful that she is clean and sober now and she is with us. Um, But some of the drugs that are on the streets right now are scary. Um, If she would have picked something else, you know, she might not be where she's at today. Some things you don't have that same path, you know. Um, And in those instances, we have to have those wraparound services around people. You know, we've got to work with folks like the foundation I started, which is Caring for Denver, which is now funded by uh, Denver voters. Thank you. Denver taxpayers, anyone who actually comes to Denver and spends money, you are supporting mental health and substance misuse services for those who need it. And so we've got to wrap around services. We can't just put people in a house and think they're going to be fine. That won't work either. And so it really is about wrapping around those services. But just think, $500 a day, we can do something with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And and not 
and not waste it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not waste it by throwing it into the jail. So I was reading the other day, and it was actually a real estate journal that I cross-referenced with some uh, data that was very concerning. Um, it feels like on a lot of levels, you know, during a transition, and I'm not taking a shot at our mayor right now because he's in a transition, but there's, you know, a lot of difference in, of opinion. But we are second in the nation per capita on violent crime and mm-hmm. first in property crime. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? How do how do we come back from that? We were never that 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 metropolitan state that mm-hmm. would city that would 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 be you know something that would, you would hear about like Chicago and L A and yeah. New York and and we've achieved that level and it's not a very prideful level I'm sure yeah. for anybody that's in in your position even on the state level. Mm-hmm. What can we do to stop that? Because the main pockets of problems are our going from, you know, all the way around first, wrapping around your district into Green Valley Ranch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, with the opportunity of you being mayor, what do we do? Yeah, well, a lot of this is the root causes, which is that you can't afford to live here. You know, the root causes of crime and violence it is poverty and mental health, right? And so we've got to get at those root causes. I was just with a group of students, and we were talking about guns. These were eighth graders, okay? They were at Smiley. McCullough, if you want to call it that, but I call it Smiley. Uh, <laughs> and um, they knew kids in middle school that have guns. They can get a gun within about 30 minutes, they say. Um, and they know people who have said that they have committed crimes because they're just trying to help their mom pay for rent. And so wow. we've got, that's the reality of today. And so we have a system now where there's a lot of organized crime taking place in Denver. There are adults who are preying on these young kids, getting them to steal cars, getting them to commit low-level offenses uh, on the front lines, and then they they profit on the back, right? And that's when you have and you see a 12-year-old who's on a joyride, you know, with his friends and gets shot by someone because they stole the car, you know? 12-year-old boy dead. Um, got caught up in that mess because of that organized crime. And so for me, we've got to break up some of that organized crime. And that 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 in, does mean that we need more investigators. The one thing that really frustrates me about the way that we are dealing with community policing right now um, is that if you give a call to law enforcement and say that you have been um, targeted, burglarized, whatever that is, they'll say, sorry, call again. There's not an investigation. There's not a lot of um, follow through. There's not a lot of follow up. And so people know they could commit crimes in Denver right now and pretty much get away with it. Uh, And that's been a huge problem, too. We have to have accountability. Now, the accountability has to be right sized, you know, but there has to be some accountability. And so we need to work together um, with, you know, law enforcement and the DA to break up the organized crime. That's the high level crime and stop preying on these little kids, you know, that have really thinking that this is their only option. Right. This is their only option. Um, And so I'm working with the young people now as much as possible to just have these real conversations, because right now the conversations that were happening are not set in reality, definitely not set in their reality. Um, And so that's how I think we make change. But Denver should be safe. Denver should and can and all of our neighborhoods can be safe um, and should be. And that's something that we'll focus on. But it's not just about incarceration. Let me tell you another example of some work that I've done. So uh, you know this work. I'm very proud of of caring for Denver. I'm very proud of our first grantee, which is STAR, Support Team Assisted Response. And so what we did was we said, you know, people who are on the streets, people who are addicted, people who are in a mental health crisis, their only option shouldn't be a 72-hour hold or jail. 
Instead, we could do something different. I went out to Eugene, Oregon, and I saw this program called Cahoots, where you have a mental health professional and an EMT riding together and responding to 911 calls that are mental health or substance use calls. And I said, wow, my life was changed when I saw that. Um, I saw someone stabilize, someone decide not to take his own life. Um, I saw a family being put back together and picking up the pieces all during one shift. And I said we could bring that here. And so we did. We brought it to Denver. It's called Support Team Assisted Response, STAR. And now we um, we started as one van, $200,000 investment uh, that started in the summer of 2020, right in the heart of downtown. Um, and we went around to, not to mental health calls and substance use calls, and we were able to provide people services, able to provide people help, and able to ensure that law enforcement wasn't their only um, interaction. Um, and on that first that first six months of the pilot, we had zero negative instances. And once folks saw that it worked, we are now a multi-million dollar agency that is within the city and county of Denver as a as a primary response to 911. So we have built out 911 from your traditional police, fire, paramedic to also now STAR. Um, I think we can put STAR hubs in our communities. So think about right now we have precincts, police mm-hmm. precincts in all of our communities. If we actually built STAR's budget out to even be half of the budget of law enforcement, we would have people who were on the streets in our communities that were there to help, to help and provide the resources and services that people need. Imagine that, mm-hmm. imagine that. That's where we wanna be as a society and that's how we keep our community safer. You know, that brings me to another question, which is a, a, a couple key points on what you mentioned was actually getting things done. I, I hear a lot of candidates and not to take a shot at any candidates and you know, Personally, uh, a lot of people know which way I go, and uh, personally um, and professionally, you know, as a, as a radio host here, is that my question is: You spoke to the fact that just like the Star Program, you took two hundred thousand dollars and made it into a multi-million dollar, very viable source. Yeah. Um, and with a lot of us in the community, you have done that. Can you speak to the listeners about? What the difference between your experience and what another candidate, maybe just what we usually say is blowing a lot of hot air and a lot of just <laughs> ideology on, on, on stage and really don't have the experience. What I think the listeners need to know what that type of follow through from, from leadership looks like. What does that do? How does that look? Yeah. Well, I think it's important that we're not just talk because what I find is people are frustrated and jaded because there has been too many promises made that people haven't delivered on. And so since I've been elected, every single thing that I've done or committed to, I've done. Um, whether that is defelonizing simple possession of drugs, um, whether that's getting STAR up and going and creating a, a source for mental health um, funding that we didn't have in the state before. Um, these are things that I have committed to doing since day one and that I've been able to deliver on. Um, there are a lot of people who talk a good game, but don't do it. One example of because it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. I believe a lot of the solutions are pretty common sense. It's like, why aren't we doing this? And it doesn't have to be my idea. It could be yours. You know what I mean? Like everyone usually has the same dang on idea. Like yeah. we need more housing. Like and it needs to be affordable. Like this is not, you know, it's not that complicated. But in politics, we make it complicated because we want to feel so special about it. We want you to think you can't do that. You know, only us, only us politicians, only us leaders can do it. And that's not true. Um, one example is police accountability. So in the summer of 2020, we had protesters standing outside of our the Capitol steps every day demanding accountability for George Floyd, for Elijah McClain, and for so many others. And, and Tomas was there um, fighting in the streets, and I was there protesting in the streets, too. And then I realized, I'm a legislator. Like, together, we can do something about it. So I brought in abolitionists, activists, law enforcement um, to the table, Democrats, Republicans. And I said, we are sitting at this table until we get a bill. 
And 16 days later, we had the most comprehensive police accountability bill in the nation. And it was supported by Republicans and law enforcement and abolitionists. So tell me who else has done that? Nobody. No one. And it's because I center the work in community and I listen. You know, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? Y'all ain't that far off. Y'all might not like each other, but you're not that far off. And so let's come together. You know, Um, I've done that also with my work around um, substance use. And, you know, quite frankly, it was folks who were sheriffs in the jails, you know, and folks who were in recovery saying we need more mat treatment. We need more treatment. We need more options for treatment. And we don't want to be we don't want to be barred from being active members in our community. You know, we don't be shunned. But here's what we need. We need harm reduction. We need to live first. You know, yes. and then we need to get on this path. And hearing that and understanding that, I was like, y'all ain't that different. Let's come together and let's create policy and let's create funding sources to make this happen. And by the way, the work should always be led by those closest to the experience. I love that you don't you don't sound like you're blowing smoke. Oh, no. <laughs> like you've got you have your agenda and you sound like this is the agenda I have and this is the agenda I'm going to put through. This yeah. is what is going to happen. I remember the first time I got a call um, from Larez, the executive director of, of Caring for Denver. I was on my way to Mexico for my my, uh, my honeymoon, and she said that I, she heard about me and I need to become an advisor over at Caring for Denver. And I was like, I don't know what this <laughs> is. All right, cool. So I go out of town. I come back in town. I'm walking into this building on Osage, and the first time I've sat down with captains of the police force down to, to police chiefs to sheriffs down to first responders to people with lived experience to everything i was blown back i was like i felt validated and i felt my my, my opinion was heard because mm. everybody was there at one thing and it opened up my eyes to one thing one pinnacle thing was if we lock arms together instead of hating each other we can get things done mm-hmm. and, I, and i truly believe that's what we're speaking about today everybody that's listening right now it's about you know you know my story you listen to the show I would have never ever ever been able to do this without all the way up from the top of government to the side of, of a street to the to my lived experience all the way down to a policeman that I'm now friends with that actually a few of them put me in jail that were on my discoveries that are really great friends of mine now you know so it's uh, it's just amazing the work that's happening, and it's just a very big honor to have you on the radio show to to speak to those things because you know I was one of those guys that, you know, f the police, yeah, mm-hmm. f the politicians, yeah. You know, I walked past screw the system, yeah. I walked past yeah. the state capitol so many times, hi, you, you couldn't even believe it. But I I wasn't going to stay in that Civic Center Park. I was a little bit more, <laughs> more, more keen about what was going on down there. So I just kept walking and, you know, but now today that's, you know, that's where I go because I, I, I care about the community. And that's one last question that I got, because I know that you got to run very soon, but, um, why Denver with all the talent that you have mayor, you're mm. a state Senator. Mm-hmm. You have so much influence. Even if you don't win this election, you still are like kind of over the mayor <laughs> in, in a sense. You know what I mean? Why? You know, I think there is a good reason why. And it's because um, policy doesn't matter if you can't impact people's everyday lives. And you are able to do that at the local level. So when I see all the bills that we pass at the state level, all the money you know that's pouring into our system, and then I see community members not getting access to that or still struggling every single day to make ends meet or to get access to the services they need, I know we can do better. I love 
Denver. This is my home. This is my place. These are my people. And there's no reason why. There's no reason why we should be crumbling at the seams. There's no reason why we should be falling apart because Denver is ready, I think, to do all of this work. Denver is ready to have real leadership and continue to lead the country. And quite frankly, I'm ready to step into that role because I know we can make a difference. Absolutely. You know, it reminds me of recovery. We've hit our bottom. Yeah. So let's go ahead. If we hit our bottom, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. uh. So Election Day is April 4th. That's this coming Tuesday. Yes. Yes. I need everyone to get out there and do me a favor and vote. Um, Leslie Herod is my name. H-E-R-O-D. And uh, there are 17 candidates on the ballot right now. (laughs) 17. So I know people are so frustrated yeah. because they see these who? like, yeah, and, and like 30 second sound bites of who we are. And literally everyone can sound just fine. But I tell you what, no one's done the work. No one's done the work. Um, and so I'm ready to step into this role. But the only way we're going to win is if people vote. Otherwise, we're going to keep the status quo and Denver will continue to become a city that is unrecognizable. Um, so I know we can do this. I know we can do it together, but I need your vote. I need folks' support. Um, all It's pretty easy to vote in Denver right now. Your ballot came in the mail. Um, and so you can turn that in. You can't mail it. You've got to put it in a drop box. However, if you didn't get your ballot or maybe you were registered somewhere else and you need to register, you can actually go and vote at any location in Denver. Uh, vote in person. All you need to do is bring your ID or utility bill with your address and you can vote. It takes about five minutes and it will literally determine the trajectory of the city for the next decade. Is that early voting? Is there an early voting where you can yeah. go right now in person and yeah. vote? Yeah, you can go right now after you listen to this show okay. uh, and go vote in person. Um, and you can do that on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Um, there are options available. And you can check out my Instagram, which is at Leslie Herod, or my um, website, leslieformayor.com. You'll also see my platform. But on the page, you'll also see how to vote and where to vote. We'll have all the sites listed. I thank you so much for coming in and giving us some of your time. Uh, I know you got a busy day, so uh, moving, moving, moving. But um, I wish you the best of luck. And whether you win or if there's a runoff, uh, you are invited to please come back and, and especially if there's a runoff, because I got more questions for you. If there's a runoff, we got to go down the other list of questions so that everybody can go, oh yeah, I'm ready to go back out there and, uh, and, and make and place a vote. And Malhai, we're not telling you who to vote for. This is just one candidate who came in and said, I want to speak to you. And so uh, I'm thankful that she wants to speak to us. So Leslie, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the show. I mean, you are really talking to folks that people don't want to talk to or haven't, you know, and telling your stories, sharing your stories. um, It makes a difference. It makes a difference. So thank you. Well, thank you very much for that. That's Leslie Harrod. She is state representative of District 8, and she is a Denver mayoral candidate. And once again, that election is this two, well, final day to vote. Mm -hmm. Because you can go out and vote today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Final day to vote is Tuesday the 4th. So get out and vote. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you. So, uh, Mal, hi. It's uh, Slim and Tomas Hernandez here. It is sharing our stories. And our guest this morning was Leslie Herod, running for mayor of the city of Denver. Um, so we don't have an actual guest this morning to talk about addiction and recovery. But you got two addicts here. Absolutely. <laughs> In yeah. recovery. Yeah. So, I mean, technically, you always have um, somebody here to talk about addiction and recovery. I had so many more questions for her. I did, too. And she I did she too. runs out the door. I wanted to ask her about uh, school safety mm-hmm. and what's going on with, you know, this, yeah. this gun violence going on Absolutely. with our high schools, man. Man, uh, even at the shopping mall, man, well, you know. Yeah. 
in the parking Aurora, lot. And, yeah. and, and not just Denver, not just Aurora, but Thornton, yeah. Brighton, and, and just left and it's, right. It's cracking, man. It's, like, it's, I just want to go hug our kids, man. Absolutely. They were on the TV the other day talking about how fast they can access a gun, but you know what's terrible about it, too, is, uh, you know, with my lived experience, the first thing I said in my, in my head I said that's about right. I mean, I got I got a question for you because you know you've been you've been down the road. You've had weapons. Yeah. How, yeah. how old were you the first time? Oh man, I got my first gun when like eleven years old. You know, Shoot. I, I mean, and that wasn't from my dad. My dad had no. one that was supposed to be mine that later on I uh, took against his permission. Now the cops have. Now it's not going to be mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, you know, first robbery I did was just like that old school thing with poppy shotgun, yo. You know, and, and with for your first robbery, what was the point of your robbery? Why why were you doing that well the first robbery was a guy that i that i that i knew through some older people that i knew and he basically put a gun on my lap and he said hey look at this and i, and I looked at it and and then the next thing i know i had a gun to my head and he said we're gonna go up in the store and if you flinch even a little bit i'm gonna put one in you so you were forced to yeah but then i got up in there and and i did well i guess but I went back with him into the car. We took off. Uh, showed me how to wipe off the car because I didn't know where we got the car from. We dumped that car. Went to the party a few blocks down, and I was getting all kinds of praise. Wow. So, you know what I mean? I was the man. You know, and after that, you know, like that comment about- Now it's going about, to your head. Now, yeah, now, you, you, know, now you think I ain't you're telling cool. my mom. Yeah, I ain't telling my mom. You're... I just robbed a store, man. I got, and we got some bull crap. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really like it was like something off the movies. Like I had like rolling papers and some big red pop. And yeah, you, you like scored. 50s. You scored nothing. Absolutely. Because like, one of the things that stuck out to me that Leslie said is that some of these kids nowadays are committing some of these crimes to help their their parents pay rent. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, and, and I've like, seen that's that. a different situation from you know you were told Let, we're gonna go get some. We're going to go rob this place so I can get some candy, which was not the point. That yeah. wasn't the point. But the, the idea that there's kids out there who have, they're, they're, they're struggling for their family. They're committing a crime because they're like, my mom, we're going to lose yeah. our house. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like back in the day, you had the East Side, the East Side Projects right there over by the Creamery. You know, Paco Sanchez Park. There's, you know, you got the Sun Valleys. You got all these different, different places where, where these kids are at and they rocking with it. You know, nowadays, you know, the development has brought it to where maybe it's not so much project housing which more housing that we need but it's you know you got you got people living on section eight and they they really can't make that much more money or they lose that house Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of stuff you got to do on the under and on the cusp i never thought of that you know what i mean because you you make too much money you start growing then you're two hundred dollar a month three hundred dollar fifty dollar a month situation is gone now you can't afford to live because you made an extra 50 bucks yeah you made now you're making 25 dollars an hour now you you ain't doing nothing but if you're making and now you're homeless because you're making 25 dollars an hour exactly you were making 12 dollars an hour and then you had a place to live exactly exactly so there's really yeah you know there's there's a ceiling on that stuff and i really liked what she was talking about about mid-level people being able to buy the homes you know that's that was great stuff and you know everybody that's listening we reached out to everybody to come up on the show, you know. I do want to shout out to Kelly Brock. Absolutely. That, that wanted to come in, and we haven't had a chance to, yes. to see her yet. So can't say that uh, we haven't heard back from everybody. Yeah, we got the text. We will give you a call back, and we're not trying to cut you out of anything. We got busy. We, you guys are going to love what we're doing in the future. Elections are just one thing, but we want every politician here, and we want to support and have those questions, and we want to hear from you. 
if you're out well, there listening to us, get sh- hit us up. We will figure it out. Yeah, because I, well, I think you know a lot of people are like, well, why why do they have a, why do they have a politician on this morning? And we'll, we need to have those conversations with them to help deal with exactly what our purpose with this program is, which is helping people find their recovery. And if we don't have the support of the system, absolutely, then we can't achieve all the goals that we would like. And as always, you know, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, um, which was. We know that we can't just solve addiction. This mm-hmm. program and, and, and none of the organizations that are out there, are we going to all just one day, poof, addiction is gone, drug, drug abuse is gone. It's not going to happen. But if we can continue on the mission of just helping one person find their recovery, get healthy, uh, be able to support their family, support themselves mm-hmm. um, in a healthy manner, mental health, uh, physical health, their well-being, then we've achieved our goal, which is just to help one person because we're not going to eliminate addiction and drug use uh, as much as I'd love to. I'd love to snap my fingers and poof, you know, these things don't occur anymore, but that part's not going to happen. No, no. You know, there's not only, there's not just one person that's going to be able to do it, but you know, there's also what I've been around a lot of politicians and I've had a lot of smoke blow. You know, there's some great candidates on there, but then, you know, I'm just, we on the radio, we can just say it, we ain't even saying no names, but there's some people that are on that list, like, why? What you doing there, man? They're there for attention. They're, I mean, yeah, and, like, and, I'm, and I'm not, and I don't mean uh, people that are already in politics, but there's people that are on there that are like, man, I, I've never run for any political office at all, but I figured out how I could get on the ballot, and I thought it would be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. I thought it'd be cool to yeah, see my name yeah, on yeah. there. Like, you could, could you imagine me running? Like I'm supposed to be kind of, you know, influential or whatever. But I'm not running. But you like, know, I not, don't not know nothing about. Yeah. Not for mayor, but I, I could imagine you in the future years here running for city council. Yeah. Uh, I could see you running for other offices, other other positions, and then in in 20 years when you're in your. <clears throat> In your older age, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see you. I can see then that. I can when see I really you. don't want to work no more. Yeah, I could, then I could see you in a position <laughs> to run for mayor. Yeah. But you got to take those steps up there. Yeah. Just like uh, our guest today, Leslie is a state representative. Absolutely. You know, she's she's taking those steps. She didn't just say, "Oh yes, I live in Park Hill, and I decided to put my name on the ballot." Exactly. And now and I'm that's running for point. mayor. Like you know, I got lived experience. What do you know about education? I dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> she did not drop out. No, I'm but just I'm just yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about myself. You yeah, know, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what are you going to do about uh, water conservation? I'm going to drink water. <laughs> you know. What, I mean? <laughs> what What do you say about education? <laughs> buy books. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to buy kids more books. All I'm going. I'm going to lock the classroom door and we're going to have book time. <laughs> I have a reading program. What is it? Everybody's got to read six books this summer. Yeah. And if you read six book, books, you get a ticket to Elegy. Exactly. Book or die. Book or die. You got to you got to do You were never going to be mayor. You were never just because you say things like book or die. Cuz somebody's going to pull that up 20 years from now. So remember when you were talking remember. about how you were going to run for mayor one day, you said book or die. And here in 2053, book or die. Exactly. We currently have a TV show called The Running Man. Exactly. And I, I'm gonna be out there like like a, a dis, disgruntled, uh, you know, delusional one of those one of those uh, politicians that really have to just lean on their staff. Like, what? But you know, with the whole situation of this politics right now in the in the climate, I really, really do think that the diversity too at the same time is great. It's you know, it's not only entertaining, but everybody listening 
don't do like how you did, like some of y'all did in school, and start going C C C C C C C. <laughs> you vote? You know, I just exactly. voted for C. Yeah, if you're gonna argue with somebody on Facebook and Google everything, like you a professor, look at your ballot, mm-hmm. look them up, mm-hmm. and see who you want to vote for. You know what I mean? You got to know who you want to vote for. I am very blessed and lucky to know that I've known a few of these people up there. I've had the pleasure to even sit on personal levels like a guy named Al Gardner. Mm -hmm. Good friend of mine for years before he just decided to join late. Amazing man. You know, there's, but you got to really get out there and understand who these people are and what they're about, you know, um, and forget about all the propaganda. You know, people make mistakes in their life. They do things. They do a lot of different stuff. Terrence, I like that man. Terrence Roberts, he's a good dude. I like that man. You can you can you can disagree with me all you want. Terrence Terrence is out there and he's he's putting his foot down for what he wants to do and he's done a lot of stuff in the community. Leslie, and I'll let y'all know. This is a personal level. She's she's been there for me. She's been there for me for a lot of things, not just, you know, my nonprofit, but personally as a as a family, as a friend. Like these are the first my house my house burnt down. You remember I when remember, I, yeah. my house burnt down? She was one of the first people to call me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I never thought a politician would call me, but like, are you all right? Mm-hmm. Is everything okay? You know, I didn't. I mean, I got some of my friends that didn't call me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I was, I was, I was in the Booker Die Club. I thought we were tight. <laughs> you know? <what> I mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, hey, look, Tomas is homeless. I got. Don't accept phone calls from Tomas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Tomas needs a cot, huh? He needs a couch to sleep on, and he got he got a wife and kids. Oh, do not answer Tomas's call. He wants to move into our basement. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, that guy smokes a. A lot of cigars, man. We can't be open here. So, you know what? I, I pulled up the, since we have been talking about uh, the election, um, the folks running for mayor this year, uh, these are the candidates that currently lead the field. Um, Kelly Bra, who's texting you? Uh, leading the field, Kelly Bra, Lisa Herod, uh, Lisa Calderon, Chris Hansen, Michael Johnston, Deborah Ortega, and Andy Rougeau, I believe how you say it, um, and also other people that are on the ballot. Um, and I don't mean that like, oh, and other people, yeah. but those are the folks <laughs> yeah. that are that are currently leading the field and um, uh, fundraising and media coverage. Yeah, and you know, um, but there's also uh, candidates named Renate Barons, and I'm going to mess up some of these names. Uh, the men, the name you just mentioned, Terrence Roberts and Al Gardner, Aurelio Martinez, Trinidad Rodriguez, Ian Tafoya, Robert Trita, J- James Walsh, Thomas Wolf. Um, Matt Brady, Paul Fiorino, Marcus Giovanni, Danny Lopez, Jesse Paris, and Abbas Yaya Bamba. Um, uh, uh, Oh, some of these are running as as writing candidates. Kwame Spearman. Um, So there's a a long list. And so I can become overwhelming. Right now, people just kind of dozed off while I did that. You were like, huh, Slim? What's you talking about? That's a whole lot of of action in somebody's life. Yeah, it definitely can be overwhelming. Absolutely. Like, you know, there's some great names up in there. Like Lisa Calderon has been doing stuff for the city for a very long time. I've had the honor to kind of work with her on the distance. She's one of the first reentry specialists out here. Been a very good women's rights advocate, politician, um, political grooming women in in politics, women's rights, uh, government. uh, You know, she's very, very well educated. Mm Um, very serious, very, very commanding and, and very capable. You got Deborah Ortega. Deborah Ortega is Denver. 
like from from back in the day. She's a great lady. She's a sweet lady. She knows a lot about what Denver used to be and what Denver is today. You know, there's a you know Kelly Kelly bro. I mean, she's she's savvy. She's she was the Chief woman of, of yeah. She was the woman of uh, you know of a lot of different different organizations. One is the uh, uh, Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce. You know, that's that's uh. You know, she knows business. Yeah, she knows no. the city. She knows the no, organization. There's, there's, there's a lot of people running. So, I mean, do do your due diligence. Look well, up your candidates and, and place your vote for Tuesday. Um, let's yeah. <laughs> there, let's let's move away from that because I know people are like, okay, yeah. you're, you're overwhelming me with the politics exactly. this we, morning. Just go and, get and your so ballot on. and get up. Yeah, get your ballot. Get, get your coffee. Get, get, get your ballot. Get your ballot. Make a difference and get yourself to book to or vote. die. Book or die. Book or die. That is not going to be your campaign slogan in the future. And and we're going to help our kids. And how are we going to help our kids? Book or die. Book or die. That's how it is. I, it is. It, it's, no, no. This is no violence, Tomas. No violence. Um, going back to the, the, the school shootings, man. That is like, that, that was heartbreaking. And, and. This is probably this could be controversial to some, but my, my heart also goes out to the young man who killed himself, who who shot, yeah, who shot two administrators in his school. Oh okay, God, yeah, but he was just a kid. Yeah, he's just a kid. We've spoken to people who have done some tremendously terrible crimes. Okay, and they're now grown. They're very sorry for the things that they did. And they're, they contribute to the society in great ways. After serving time in prison, they've served their time, you know, and, and they hurt people. Yeah. Or, yeah. or caused the, de- the death of people. Yeah. Okay. And, and served their time and now contribute to this society and make this world a better place. And it, it, it broke my heart because, that, man, that, 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 that boy has a mother, has yeah. family, has friends who don't see him in in the light that a lot of people see him, which is he's a killer or yeah. or, or an attempted killer. Yeah. You know? And it broke my heart because we we live in a messed up society, man. Yeah. And you got two key points there. You got you got the disassociation of, of reality of of what what was actually in his mind to the to the general public because of the the severity of the crime, which makes him into a monster. Nobody really knows, like, you know, to speak to all the parents out there, you, you'll have kids and you don't, you would think you would know what's the matter with them. And it's something totally different when they finally explain it to you. And a lot of us parents are like, that is dumb. What do you mean? You know, and we go through those adult, you know, key points of, of these these situations and we're like, that is just common sense to not do that. You know, I was sitting in Las Vegas this this uh, this last uh, week uh, doing uh, – I, I do a lot of things in Las Vegas, y'all, and I have a lot of friends out there, and I was hanging out with uh, a good friend of mine, Victor, and I was talking about common sense, and he was like, whoa, 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 wait. He goes, that is a very, very volatile and – indecisive statement that you said he said he he articulated a little bit better but basically what he told me was you got to be careful what you think common sense is Mm -hmm. what you think common sense is to you that person doesn't think common sense is to them because of how their life is structured and what their belief system is and this young man believed in his heart that he had to go in there and shoot these two people 
And we weren't there. We don't know what the situation was at the yeah. time. His name was Austin Lyle. And, you know, I, I saw posts on, on social media where people were like, you know, he's dead good. That's what he deserves. And I can't speak for the people that were shot. But, but I will go out on a limb and say, I bet you in the long term, they would forgive that boy. Yeah. And, and luckily they're alive. Absolutely. You know, which gives people a lot more forgiveness. Absolutely. There's a lot more forgiveness from family and from them when you can say, I survived this. Yeah. And you know, when you make a bad mistake to the, the corner of, of the depth that this, this young man went to to take his life, I remember getting in trouble a few times and when it really got quiet. You remember that old, uh, that old uh, Rick Ross song when they're, when they're talking about it's really melatonin, it's the judge in there, and he's talking about, and you'll be reprimanded to the, to the Department of Correspondence for the ma- remainder of your life. It's that song Pirates or something like that. But anyway, long story short, it's really, you have that in your mind. There's that judge that's saying, okay, you messed up. This is what's going to happen. You know, and some of us can sit on our hands and take accountability and what you were talking about later on, have a great victory story like Araya and, and Taj and all the great people at SEC that came back on, you know what I mean? Great things like, like I want to get Eric Leitner in here. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, hearing Eric Leitner's story at SEC, yo, telling you right there, you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, I couldn't imagine being one of those deans sitting in that bed and we don't know exactly what that conversation was and whatever mental health and trauma that that person, those, those two people are going to have for the rest yeah. of their lives. Yeah. And the prayers go out to them. But it's just, the, it's, it speaks to a lot of things, like a lot of people. And the first thing that I thought of, I was like, oh, it's a structuralization of schools, this, this, and that. My wife was really mad because we had little situations with some of our kids, as, as all people have, and this person got a different treatment than our kid did. So we're like, it's not just, it's not even, we got to do some stuff about it. And, you know, my wife thinks I'm Superman, so she's like looking at me like, go up in some room and fix it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I go up in there, book or die. But not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but with that being said, no, I just I, I go up in that rooms and I sit there and I started thinking people have been doing this for a long time. And just the confusion of mental health and the confusion of somebody that passes away. And, you know, all the people that have died, Slim, that we know, I know one pivotal thing that happens that I'm never going to understand why, because it was between that person and their destiny, or if you're not a God person, but if you are, as me, as God. The only two people in that situation in a death of any kind is those people involved. You know what I mean? And getting the insight and the structuralization of, I could do this, I can do that, we could change things, and I'm seeing on social media, it's the guns, it's the guns, it's the guns, you know? Yeah, it's the guns, it's the mental health, it's the parenting, it's the infrastructure that we have, it's the coulda, woulda, shoulda, it's the M&Ms that he didn't get on Tuesday. It's the friends, it's the surroundings, it's exactly. everything. Exactly. It's, it's the fear. Yeah, it's, it's everything, it's not just one thing. Mm-hmm. But we want to just make it into one thing. Mm-hmm. And we can't, it's just not in our scope. You know, history repeats itself. We just have to do our best to keep ourselves safe and stop fighting and get humble and, and, and reignite love in this world and compassion. Yeah, and I'm sure what I said has offended somebody, and I, and I accept that. I accept that, and I understand that, and that person probably stopped, turned me off 
as soon as I said that and, yeah. and doesn't want to hear, you know, what I, what I had to say. And, and I don't ask anybody to agree with me. Yeah. I'm just a person of compassion and a person that cares. And I cared, I, I, man, I, I'm not, maybe long ago I was one of those F the police guys. Now I'm one of police. I want my police to be safe. I, I'm on all sides. Yeah. I'm on all sides. I'm, I'm on the side of the man in the hospital's bed and I'm not on the side of the shooter, but I'm on the side of this kid was, there's more to what's going on with this kid. Yeah. And, you know, better stated, you're on the side of healing and, and, and the humanity of the situation to make the best of it. You know, I'm on the side of love. That's, that's yeah. the side I'm on. Yeah. I'm on the side of love and life. And, and I just, I want to see that for everybody. And, and so, you know, I'm just, I'm really worried, you know, with, with what's going on with our kids in these schools. Uh, I am worried about the gun situation. Um, I remember in high school, and I'm 30 years ago now, but even 30 years ago, we had issues with guns already. All right. It, it's, it wasn't, it's not something that's just now. It's not just something that's now. There were, there were, what do you call it? Uh, um, uh, metal detectors in high schools way back in the 80s too, you yeah. know, in early 90s. It's not just a 2023 thing yeah. where we had to search for weapons now. I remember being afraid. I remember one time at school when this kid pulled out a machete, chased another kid around the school with a machete. Yeah. I remember being in fear then, and fear will do a lot to you. Yeah. Fear will make you carry a weapon because you are afraid for your oh, own yeah. safety as you walk to and from school. It doesn't necessarily mean you are a bad person. Exactly. You are afraid. Exactly. I was strapped up from early teens. I was strapped up. I did not stop carrying guns until after my federal case. You know, it took me that long with mental health and, and, and recovery and understanding where I was at and my PTSD and everything like that. It didn't even matter if I was hustling out there. I was just getting high drinking. But you can bet I had a gun on me. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? You can bet I had that. And it hasn't changed in what? We almost 50 now. And I ain't, I mean, I haven't carried a gun in years. You know, I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking in a different light. And maybe sometime that's just, I got some type of divine protection because our society don't feel that protection. I could go to some friends right now and you could go to some of your friends right now and be like, I don't know where your mind's at on that, but I got this right here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I got friends that make sure they got their stuff even legally. You know what yeah. I mean? Open carry, all that, you know, and it's... Uh, I was I hosted, uh, two weeks ago, I hosted a fashion show. You know about the fashion show I hosted. Yeah. I had a real nice jacket on. Beautiful. Yeah, real nice jacket on. Um, but one of the women at the fashion show, she uh, I was talking to her and she she was like, oh, I got, I got something for you, Slim. And I, Let me reach in my purse. And she's reaching in her purse and... I try not to peer into your women's purses, okay? I really try not to. But this time, like, I was right there over her shoulder, and I was peering in, and I saw her move her weapon to the side as she's looking through there, you know? And it was it was in a carry case and everything. But I thought to myself, I was like, this woman is protected, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and she's keeping herself safe. Exactly. What, that, was, that was for her safety. Yeah. That was not because this woman was a criminal <laughs> in any way. Yeah. She wasn't about to go rob the 7-Eleven. She was just a woman who nobody is going to harm her. I, I, Absolutely. I got none of respect for that. You know, um, you know, and the only reason why I haven't got my wife to that level yet is because my, 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 my past. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? I don't want to give any option or any open thing to have that in my home, and then I get charged with it yeah. because it's her. Because it's her. Because you're not allowed to have them around. Yeah, man. I can't even go look at a gun sticker. <laughs> you know, after Federal was like, yo, Batman comes to pick you up, and you sitting right there in that Gotham City looking building. Ah, uh, man. It's just a little different. Tomas is not allowed to have weapons, Mile High. <laughs> no, not, not at all. No. He's got a little water pistol, and he likes I, Nerf I, guns. I love him. I love him. He got actually, the, he got, got battery-operated Nerf gun. It's an automatic. <laughs> actually, you know, in addiction, you got this thing that you perseverate and overdo things. And, you know, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get these Nerf guns, yo. I'm going to get these Nerf guns. All these kids at the at the uh, my, my brother-in-law's house for cr- Christmas Eve. I went over to Big Lots, and before I know Hold it, I'm, I'm like $150, $175 down. I didn't tell my wife that. I told her I got them on sale for $40. Uh-huh. But I filled up that whole basement. Bro. Man, I, this is something I never told you. I have literally at my house minimum, minimum 20 Nerf guns and bullets for days for them. There's Nerf bullets, <laughs> Nerf bullets for days for them. So if you ever want to like throw a Nerf party in your backyard <laughs> okay. and invite folks over and be All like, right. we're going to have the Nerf war this weekend. I got it. I got, I got enough for everybody. I mean, yeah. I just, I, cause I buy them at, at Goodwill. Like I bought another one this past week for $2.99. I, I have tons of them. Every time I see them, like if you're if you're a parent that goes you to Goodwill what? and you're like, man, we're trying to find a Nerf gun for our kids and you can never find them. It's because I buy them all. You just found the solution. <laughs> I you buy know, them all. <laughs> like say just the scenario, everybody listening, you know, if you're sitting with your brother, your sister, whoever, and you're really mad at them and you do that one act of shooting them right in the face with that Nerf, with the Nerf gun, the Nerf gun, and you give it them hurts. that look. It hurts, man. <laughs> it gets that silent, on awkward, that awkward feeling. Yeah. That's the best is when you, because when, I shot my, my co-worker, <laughs> I shot my boss on the nose once with the Nerf gun because we had a Nerf war here in the hallway. I shot Sean, our, our general manager, right on the nose and he had a little red dot on his nose. He was like, man, you, I'm mad now. I'm mad. You don't even have, you could have shot me in the eye, bro. I was like, man, I'm sorry. He was like, from now on, when we do the Nerf gun war, everybody has to shoot below the chin. See, like, well, that's no fun. <laughs> that's that's how we start this. We you turn in your gun, you get Nerf guns. Yes, yes. We'll we'll have a box at the radio station. Turn in your gun, we'll give you a Nerf gun. Book or die. Book or die <laughs> box. You'll see the box. It says book or die. Throw the gun right in there. Uh, and uh, and part of Tomas's future mayoral um, uh, yeah. uh, platform when he runs for mayor will be. And I'm giving every kid a book and a Nerf gun. Exactly. <laughs> Shoot your brother in the uh, face. Have him give you that awkward look. You guys will figure it out later. Nobody uh, gets hurt. My, this has been sharing our stories. And, of course, this morning um, we did not have a guest. But um, thank you for giving us your time. We had a guest. It was Leslie Harrod we did. running we did. for mayor. But we did not have a, a guest who has been through addiction is what I mean. Because you got two addicts, me and, and Tomas, right here. <laughs> and actually, you know what, Denver, let me tell you a little bit about Leslie on, 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 the, on the end of this. First thing that got me to support this woman was really the care and the act and the follow through for people with mental health and addiction. Her and Coleman have stood up for me and and people that have been in this in in this fight in the nonprofit organizations like no other. You know, I'm not going to speak on any other or any other organizations and I'm not going to speak even the name of my own organization because I'm speaking for myself on my own endorsement on that. But every time that I've asked her for something, she's figured it out for me and we saving lives, yo. We're not just doing it one, one, two at a time. We're saving a lot of lives together. 
And I just wanted to tell everybody how much I appreciate her on that. I'm not trying to just get y'all to check that box, but as a human being, she's got my endorsement on that too. She's worked by your side. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our our program will be back next Sunday, 7 a.m. We'll bring in another guest, uh, whether that's a candidate, if there's a runoff election, yeah. or uh, it's somebody in addiction, because that is what we do. We talk about addiction and recovery, and we believe that everybody has a pathway to their recovery. There is not just one way to do it. This program is brought, brought to you in part by Tribe Recovery Homes. You can learn more about them. Give them a call. At 720-608-7423. That's 720-608-60-TRIBE. Actually, and I just messed it up a little bit, but that's <laughs> 720-60-TRIBE. And also at www.triberecoveryhomes.com. You can click the button and then just put apply here and wait for one of our specialists to hit you back. And uh, he keeps helping more and more people. Oh, not just Tomas. The organization keeps Absolutely. helping more and more people find their recovery so we thank tribe recovery homes for the work they do in our community helping our people this is sharing our stories we'll be back next sunday thank you for your time have a wonderful sunday and god bless